Miss Polly lifted her chin haughtily. Well, really, Nancy, just because I happen to have a sister who was silly enough to marry and bring unnecessary children into a world that was already quite full enough, I can't see how I should particularly want to have the care of them myself. However, as I said before, I hope I know my duty. See that you clean the corners, Nancy, she finished sharply as she left the room. Yes, ma'am, sighed Nancy, picking up the half-dried pitcher, now so cold it must be rinsed again. In her own room, Miss Polly took out once more the letter which she had received two days before from the faraway western town, and which had been so unpleasant a surprise to her. The letter was addressed to Miss Polly Harrington, Beldingsville, Vermont, and it read as follows. Dear Madam, I regret to inform you that the Reverend John Whittier died two weeks ago, leaving one child, a girl eleven years old. He left practically nothing else save a few books, for, as you doubtless know, he was the pastor of this small mission church and had a very meager salary. I believe he was your deceased sister's husband, but he gave me to understand the families were not on the best of terms. He thought, however, that for your sister's sake you might wish to take the child and bring her up among her own people in the East. Hence, I am writing to you. The little girl will be all ready to start by the time you get this letter, and if you can take her, we would appreciate it very much if you would write that she might come at once, as there is a man and his wife here who are going East very soon, and they would take her with them to Boston and put her on the Beldingsville train. Of course, you would be notified what day and train to expect Pollyanna on. Hoping to hear favorably from you soon, I remain respectfully yours, Jeremiah O. White. With a frown, Miss Polly folded the letter and tucked it into its envelope. She had answered it the day before, and she had said she would take the child, of course. She hoped she knew her duty well enough for that, disagreeable as the task would be. As she sat now with the letter in her hands, her thoughts went back to her sister Jenny, who had been this child's mother, and to the time when Jenny, as a girl of twenty, had insisted upon marrying the young minister, in spite of her family's remonstrances. There had been a man of wealth who had wanted her, and the family had much preferred him to the minister, but Jenny had not. The man of wealth had more years as well as more money to his credit, while the minister had only a young head full of youth's ideals and enthusiasm, and a heart full of love. Jenny had preferred these, quite naturally, perhaps, so she had married the minister and had gone south with him as a home missionary's wife. The break had come then. Miss Polly remembered it well, though she had been but a girl of fifteen, the youngest at the time. The family had had little more to do with the missionary's wife, to be sure, Jenny herself had written for a time and had named her last baby Pollyanna for her two sisters, Polly and Anna. The other babies had all died. This had been the last time that Jenny had written, and in a few years there had come the news of her death, told in a short but heartbroken little note from the minister himself, dated at a little town in the West. Meanwhile, time had not stood still for the occupants of the great house on the hill. Miss Polly, looking out at the far-reaching valley below, thought of the changes those twenty-five years had brought to her. She was forty now, and quite alone in the world, 
Father, mother, sisters, all were dead. For years now she had been sole mistress of the house and of the thousands left her by her father. There were people who had openly pitied her lonely life and who had urged her to have some friend or companion to live with her. But she had not welcomed either their sympathy or their advice. She was not lonely, she said. She liked being by herself. She preferred quiet. But now... Miss Polly rose with frowning face and closely shut lips. She was glad, of course, that she was a good woman, and that she not only knew her duty, but had sufficient strength of character to perform it. But Polly Anna, what a ridiculous name. Chapter 2 Old Tom and Nancy In the little attic room, Nancy swept and scrubbed vigorously, paying...